everyone. We are Rena and Dara, and welcome to Fertility Forward. We are part of the wellness team at RMA of New York, a fertility clinic affiliated with Mount Sinai Hospital in New York City. Our Fertility Forward podcast brings together advice from medical professionals, mental health specialists, wellness experts, and patients, because knowledge is power, and you are your own best advocate. Miriam Pinellas is a doctor of acupuncture and Chinese herbal medicine and founder of Conscious Health and Wellness. She is a diplomat in oriental medicine, certified by the National Certification Commission for Acupuncture and Oriental Medicine, and licensed in acupuncture by the state of New York. She has studied under some of the most respected practitioners in the United States and around the world, including Dr. Richard Tan, Robert Doan, Dr. Jimmy Chang, and Heather Bruce. All of these outstanding practitioners taught her unique and exceptional methods in acupuncture, pulse analysis, herbal prescription writing, and treating women's perinatal health. Miriam specializes in women's health concerns, in particular perinatal health. She has worked with hundreds of women to achieve healthy pregnancies and to ease common pregnancy ailments and discomfort. She treats a variety of gynecological disorders, including PMS, painful and heavy periods, PMDD, PCOS, endometriosis, cysts, fibroids, and more. In this episode, we talk with Miriam about pulse therapy and how it can be used to help with fertility and emotional processing of the fertility journey, how acupuncture can be used to help with fertility, and the importance of Eastern medicine in conjunction with Western medicine. Today, we have on our podcast a dear friend of mine, Miriam Pinellas. She is a doctor of acupuncture and Chinese herbal medicine and is also the founder of Conscious Health and Wellness Inc. in Manhattan. She has treated me for sleep, but her specialty is working with fertility patients. We're so happy to have you on today. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. It's so good to be here. It's been way too long since I've seen you, and I'll take this podcast to bring us back together. (laughs) I'm so excited Dara brought you on, and before the show, we were talking a little and you said, oh, I can take your pulse and see if you have endometriosis or PCOS or depression. And I said, what? Sign me up. Can you take mine? That's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. Can you tell it? What does that even mean? I yeah, I'm so happy to, to share this information. So pulse diagnosis is a diagnostic method of Chinese medicine. It has been for thousands of years. It's not just assessing the heart rate, but there are multiple positions on the pulse. And I'll point, our listeners can't hear see, but there's about several positions on the, the wrist that we're, we are um, palpating. Each position represents a different organ system, mm. a different body system. And so we can assess the health of your liver, the health of your uterus, the health of your cardiovascular system all through the pulse. Based on what we feel, we are able to assess the root cause of a disease or a symptom a person is having, or perhaps even the, a root obstacle to conception like endometriosis or polycystic ovarian syndrome just by feeling the pulse. And then we use this information in our treatments to guide our acupuncture treatments and then to guide our herbal prescriptions. So I can, just by feeling a certain area on a woman's wrist, yes, I can assess if she has endometriosis. I can know if she has polycystic ovarian syndrome before I've seen any blood work. And it's amazing because then we can effectively treat the root cause of their hormonal imbalance or why they're having potentially why they're having trouble getting pregnant. And if it's not the only reason, it is definitely an amazing support to Western medical intervention, specifically fertility treatments. Wow. So is this the first line when you when someone comes in, I'm struggling getting pregnant, is this the first line of action before you do acupuncture? 
or does this help guide you of where maybe acupuncture can be most useful? Yes. Every patient that I meet, we first sit down and talk about their symptoms and their goals. And then I I start a diagnostic assessment that includes a pulse reading. It also includes looking at their tongues. It includes looking at the colors in their face, the shape of their ear. All of this gives us information about why they're struggling, where they're, you know, the root of their symptoms. So it's not internally, it's actually external. Yes. Which, you know, a lot of times we take blood work. We do urine samples. We do stool samples. Right. So before that was available, before practitioners and healers knew of that, they had to to use what the body was telling them. And that's what we, that's what we do. Wow. Still today. That's fascinating, <laughs> right? Yeah, and the blood work helps, and the you know, sure. and the blood work is a support, and the med- and of course, you know, the treatments and the ultrasounds are are a big help. But for someone, you know, you know, I've had patients who you know have needed to take Valium to get a, a simple ultrasound, or what we call simple. But for some women, you know, who have vaginismus or have other even emotional concerns, a simple gynecological exam can be very difficult. And not to say they don't need it eventually, but some t- the pulse we can we can learn a lot already just by you know without being invasive without. Wow! So how does it feel a pulse? Someone that has endometriosis or PCOS, how does their pulse feel different than mm. someone that doesn't? Great question. So every there are different pulse qualities we're feeling. So when you put you know if you put your finger down to the wrist, you might just you might feel the vein there. You might mm-hmm. feel it pulsing. And it could be is it the same on the left or the right? Or are there different? things that you can feel on your left than on your right. It's different. So yeah, you can feel a different quality in each place. So you might be feeling maybe just like a straight vessel, straight vein, Mm -hmm. like maybe it's pushing against your fingertips. Maybe it's not, maybe it feels a little rounded. We're feeling all these very subtle differences in the artery. And those differences tell us what is going on. So if there's a very tight vessel under my, if it feels like a guitar string under my vessel, Mm -hmm. that's pointing to a certain pattern diagnosis in Chinese medicine. Guitar string. Yeah. Yeah. So like very taut. Very taut, very tight, right? If I feel that in the neck area, I know they have muscle tension in their neck. Mm -hmm. If I feel that in their uh, digestive area, I know there's perhaps IBS. Wow. And if I feel that in the uterus, I know that there's going to be painful periods, maybe clotty periods. Okay. And then the endometrial pulse also feels that way. It's very tight, but then there's other qualities. So sometimes you'll put your finger on the artery and you kind of, your vest, your finger just pushes right through. There's no bounce back. It's just mushy and, and wheat and feels like you can push right through the vessel. That's pointing to a different set of patterns and, and issues. And those people are more weak. They're more fatigued. Mm-hmm. Um, there may be a history of, of anxiety excessive crying. Wow. So that is why yeah, yeah, so I very fascinating. It's amazing. And this is what acupuncturists do. They're trained to feel acupuncturists trained in these methods are trained to feel for these subtle difference in their feelings based on what they feel. They know the 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 root of the the issue, the di- they can formulate a diagnosis, then they can treat and they we choose from hundreds of herbs <laughs> to treat the tight vessel or the weak vessel or the mushy vessel. And that's why we're so successful because we're treating the individual. Yes. Their body. A specific for them. But this is, this is one thing that I, I was always wondered, you know, like the, the typical, I don't know what they call it, the the white lab, the white lab coat or the lab coat, you know, you, you go see a practitioner and you get nervous. How can, that's the hard part is how can we distinguish, 
you know, just day-to-day normal anxiety. Oh, I'm going to see it. I don't know what she's going to tell me. I'm a little afraid. Or that chronic stress that, of course, we see often with fertility patients. But, you know, I wonder if that kind of can give us, I want to say a false reading. Good question. Yeah. 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 So we see that too. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we'll, I'll be reading a pulse on a new patient. And I'll think I got it. And, uh, and I'll say, okay, this is it. And then I'll, I'll step away to the other arm. Then I'll come back and it's a different pulse. Oh. And so we feel different qualities, but it's all different levels. So if mm-hmm. I feel the, the vessel up, you know, at the right at the skin, or do I feel it closer to the bone? And let's say I felt it closer to the bone and then I came back around and now I'm feeling it high. I know that that I'll be able to relate it to something. So if we just brought up a difficult childhood memory mm. or her fertility struggle, it's I'll know it could be that that can some anxiety in the moment can raise change the pulse, but it won't stay. I'll eventually get back when she calms down and breathes. I'll get back to to the real reading. So that's good it. that you go back often to double check because sometimes it could give you a false, no, not necessarily a false reading, but a temporary false reading yeah. in the beginning until they get used to it and feel comfortable with what you're doing. Right. And what about, I mean, can someone's pulse, do they drastically change too? Like what if someone, you know, is fairly stress-free, you know, they don't really have anxiety, they're kind of living their life and then they enter fertility treatment, which as we all know is very stressful um, and they get really stressed and anxious and they don't sleep up. Well. Does that then change your pulse forever or kind of just in that situation. And then it goes back to what it was once that situation is resolved. Like, how does that work? It's a good question. It's like chicken and the egg. Mm-hmm. So maybe that person wasn't manifesting anxiety before their fertility diagnosis, but they had an underlying vulnerability, mm. right? And the fertility diagnosis triggered something. So we see that a lot. So I mean, I've had patients who say, I've never had anxiety before. I don't know what's happening, but I'll feel in their pulse. It's really tight, constricted. Someone mm-hmm. who's been, you know, let's say type A their whole life. I'll, I'll know that they had a vulnerability. They were living their lives in such a way that now that a challenge has come to them, they're struggling. I feel like, I mean, that's so many of my patients. That was certainly me, myself going through this. I think that's mm-hmm. a lot of women really. Absolutely. It throws them. I mean, everything they thought they knew or that they wanted for life, that they, they thought might be easy can be flipped over. Right. So what do you do? I mean, so what do you do with a patient like that? With an anxious fertility patient? Yeah. Or someone, which as every, said, which is right, every patient. You know, I mean, someone who is, you know, very <laughs> type A and maybe they didn't have to be vulnerable before. Maybe everything mm. kind of came very easily. And it was, you know, you had a problem. Okay. You put in the work and then you get that reward at the end, which as you know, with fertility, it doesn't always work like that. So what would you say to someone who comes in kind of presenting like that? Just because I feel like that's a lot of my patient population. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I see that a lot too, you know, right. New York City. Working just, yeah. Midtown, New York Mm -hmm. City, very accomplished, smart women. What do we do? It is. It's customized per person. And I'll say a lot of what I do is actually outside of Chinese medicine. It's a lot of life coaching and lifestyle Mm -hmm. recommendations. Mm -hmm. What's really cool about Chinese medicine is that just, so let's say a woman's come in, she's, she's having trouble conceiving. She has a history of, of cysts and, and endometriosis. Just by treating the endometriosis, by enhancing blood flow into the reproductive system, into the uterus, she's already getting calmed just by treating mm-hmm. her 
not because we're getting her closer to her goal of getting pregnant, but she has the endometriosis and these cysts, these blockages in her body because there's a lack of flow, there's a lack of health. She's not thriving, right? There's a lot stuck in her pelvis. So just by enhancing blood flow and, and getting things moving within her, she's already feeling calmer. No wonder also if the inflammation goes down. Yes. And so that could also be a subset. Yeah, absolutely. I think mentally too, knowing, okay, she's coming to you, you're doing these active things that are then leading to change in her body. And that feels like you're moving forward. Yes. I mean, I would think the mind body thing with what you do too is pretty powerful. Yeah. And also the reason why I got into Chinese medicine is because when you're working with a practitioner that is listening and holding space for your journey and is compassionate, there is a big sense of relief and a big, oh, yeah. a big healing that takes place that helps too. be having a partner in all the, oh, yeah. in the struggle. Having yeah, support. Support. Yeah. Yeah. support is so important. And also if someone goes to you, they're taking some time for themselves. That's what I say at, at the most basic level, whether they come to see Rena, whether they come to see myself, whether they come to see you, which I feel like selfishly, I get the most when I, when I come to see you, I'm like, I'm lying on a bed. This is an hour. I can actually close my eyes. I could be in the moment. I don't need to think about what I did yesterday or I need to do tomorrow. Right. So for me at its most simplistic form, I think it's a great first step to managing stress. And then on top of that, being able to get so much insight in so many different areas. And even, I mean, I love speaking with you in terms of diet because of course, the way I was trained was very science-based. And the way that you were trained is is very Eastern medicine-based. And they both have their own validity and their own strengths. And I think they, in some ways, they, they can be combined. And my thing, my question to you, speaking a lot, I, I wanted to know, why isn't there a lot of research? That, I mean, it's been going on for forever, Eastern medicine. Where's the research? Why? Why haven't we done any research on it? It's not easy to do. Yeah. People are trying. Mm -hmm. People are doing it. Um, It's something that's heavily emphasized in our medical training. We, you know, we have at least, I did at least two classes on research because we are encouraged to help contribute to medical literature. It's important. Um, You know, there's a lot, there is this research coming out of the East, you know, there's many, but it's, it's different when it's done in your home country. Um, Chinese medicine is not, it's not easy to control for factors. And that's what research wants. It's so hard to control the environment, the practitioner patient relationship, how the needle is inserted. There's so many ways to insert a needle. Huh. Wow. So, yeah. Sizes of needles, the ways to insert. So there's a lot of variability. Yeah. And I think that's a big part of it. Where I've tried is, I mean, I'm just, I'm currently trying to publish a case report I'm a patient with, that I worked with on with, with anxiety for post-traumatic stress disorder. So I'm in it. It's been months now. The paper keeps keeps setting, get, getting set back and for further editing, further editing. So it's it's hard oh, to get so in. Yeah. yeah. So you might have the content, but it's not getting to where it needs to be, perhaps. Yeah. But you know for yourself that, that you're doing this amazing work and making a difference to people. Yes. I mean, we know. Right. We know and the that's magic. That's most important. And, and, <laughs> Deep down. And yeah. But with time, Chinese medicine is becoming more and more accepted. We are being accepted by more insurance companies. The word is getting out. And maybe with that, we'll have more research. Yeah, the dialogue, I think, is certainly changing around it. So if you're a fertility patient, too, how often would somebody come see you for treatment? Great question. 
again, always depending on the person, but most people in the beginning of their journey, I will see them one to two times a week for the first six to eight weeks. The twice a week usually is if the symptoms are pretty severe. If I'm working with someone who has very severe menstrual cramping to the point of nausea in bed for three days, if it's that kind of severe blockage of pain, I'm going to see them twice a week so I can get them better faster. The acupuncture will still work if I only see them once a week or once every other week, maybe. Sometimes that's all people can afford. It will just take longer. Okay. And so... It takes, it takes us about two to three months to regulate a woman's cycle, to take menstrual cramps down from a level 10 pain level of 10 down to level three or two. It takes wow. time. Wow. Yeah. It's but it's not a lot of it's time. Too long. In the grand scheme of things, if you've been suffering no, for yes. so long. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Women live right. yeah, 15, 20 years with, with debilitating cramping and it's gone within two to three months. Wow. And I'm sure it depends also depending on the cycle. And also, I, I believe you've spoken about this in the past, um, you also meet with patients. So let's say they are going into an IVF cycle throughout certain parts of their, you know, ovulation, you'll meet with them or suggest meeting with them to help with yeah. blood flow or things like that. Sure. Yeah. We have, we have people come in. I'm glad you brought this up during IVF. We can do acupuncture, but most physicians prefer we don't use Chinese herbs, right? Right. Yeah. Because of interference. So because of that, we really encourage patients who are pursuing IVF or think they might need it, um, or even just oh, starting to think about having a baby to come in a good three to four months minimum before treatments, because then we have a lot of tools available to us to help them either conceive on their own or get them in the best shape possible before they start IVF. So, and because that's when we can use our herbs. Right. We're very limited as practitioners once women have started medications because we can't use herbs and, and they really accomplish a lot. So what types of herbs do you do you use for fertility? Chinese herbs. It's Chinese herbal medicine. There's hundreds that we that we pull from to help. Um each has their own character. Every herb has its own flavor its own look, its own action. Wow. And is it really tailored to each patient or is there kind of a general like, okay, these work for fertility. So it's tailored to the patient and tailored to the pulse. That's why the pulse is so important. Oh, it's tailored to both things. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah. And I think that's probably interesting why you probably do need to meet with them more frequently when they're starting to take the herbs because you want to see how effective they are and tailor it depending on their response. Yes. Yes. So I love to see people before, you know, a good three to four months because sometimes they will get pregnant on their own. That's what I often say to, to, to my patients is people often come to you when they've already struggled. And that doesn't mean that you can't get them into a great place. But, you know, often when they're looking for answers, that's sometimes when they seek out alternative or outside of the medical realm. And I think it could be used in conjunction and the idea of perhaps when you're thinking of getting pregnant that might be a perfect opportunity to come just to get a baseline. Baseline. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also, you know, even if there's something like migraines, like women who've suffered from migraines forever and they get, they're told, you know, these might get worse in pregnancy or they might go away. Come in before three months before, let's work on your migraines. Let's enhance blood flow into the neck and head and hopefully get you into a better position for pregnancy. Mm -hmm. Wow. There's so much you could do. Yeah. And just to circle back to your your question, Dara, about IVF. So once IVF has begun, there are certain times we'll say to come in for your treatment, certainly around retrieval to help um, facilitate an easier retrieval, definitely on transfer day. But even 
in the beginning when they're start doing their injections, this doesn't happen to every woman, as you know, but some do get nauseous, some do get painfully bloated, yes. and some get very anxious. Mm-hmm. And acupuncture can help with those symptoms to lighten them. And do you see men as well? We do. We do see men. I personally don't in my practice just because they don't come in. Uh, <laughs> would it benefit It's them? more men. It's more, the, you know, the women coming in. Would it benefit them? Absolutely. For the same yeah. reasons, for the stress, for the circulation into mm-hmm. the reproductive organs. And I feel like we've done talks before, Miriam and myself and our other colleague, Lori Metz, and they then they'll come, but it's they'll come often with their partner to the talk, but it doesn't always necessarily lead to right. follow up. Right. I mean, I could really count on my hand how many men I've seen for yeah, fertility. Guess, yeah, I'm thinking, I don't know many men that have sought out acupuncture so much. And many don't want the needles, many women don't. And so another great thing I love about herbal medicine is that we can just, we can read the pulse, formulate a diagnosis and send them home with three months of herbs to help with sperm quantity and quality. I was going to say, could it help with, mm-hmm. yeah, sperm quantity yeah. value? Yeah, and, and it helps those men who have to have the varicocele procedures, um, surgeries before they embark on IVF with their wives. So there's many ways men can be helped. Hmm. Is there research on that, on the herbs and and men and, and sperm count and quality? I'm not sure if there is in American literature. Hmm. I'd have to check. That would be very powerful. I want to talk a little bit about food because I'm still so yeah. curious because again, it's so out of my my wheelhouse in terms of, I hear a lot of people come to me, I've met with an acupuncturist. And I always like, for me, I'm not, I never like to shame anyone's ideas or philosophies, but I'm curious. I want to hear more about it and, and the background. And there's something to it where I'm, I'm a little more open-minded now than I have been in the past, the idea of warm foods. And I believe I did speak with you way back, Miriam, mm-hmm. that it has to do with is it yin and yang or something and how women need sometimes that warmth to help nourish. So talk more about that because I'm still curious about sure, it. Absolutely. Well, we, in our medicine, we see warm foods as, um, you know, it's just on a simple level and easier food to digest. The body doesn't have to work hard I to break down you. cold, raw food. Right. I, I was, yeah. It's the same in yes, Western nutrition. But I don't always talk about warm. I talk about cooked. Mm. The idea of having it cooked. Okay. So it's easier to break down, but yes. the, but the warm aspect. So when we're saying, it. right. So warm can mean cooked. And usually oh, okay. we do prefer cooked because it's easier in the digestive system. It and is. in our medicine, what we call the spleen and stomach, the, the earth energy, mm-hmm. the five elements, um, the center of, a, a, of our being is largely responsible for all of our energy. And when I, when I say energy, I mean everything, mental energy, physical energy, hormones, right? We're producing everything a lot from what we're taking in for sure for our nourishment. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So the easier it is, the better, the warmer it is, the easier it is for the body to assimilate. Mm -hmm. But then we also have these conditions, which we call cold conditions in the body, where we'll say a person has excess cold and what that will feel like in the pulse is a really tight, very constricted, like super thin guitar string. That's an aspect of cold in the body. Often we see it with the endometriosis too. And we know this person needs more warming. So if they're they're eating cold foods and ice drinks and raw foods, it's only it's only adding more cold to the body. We want to warm it up. And so we'll recommend cooked foods, but then we'll also add uh, recommend warming foods, things with cinnamon, ginger, mm-hmm. meats, 
um, certain grains have warming energy. There's a whole book on this. I mean, several books now you can read. One is Healing with Whole Foods. He gives the temperature, the nature of each food. So obviously, you know, ginger would be spicy and hot and warm. The grains, I think millet is considered neutral, but there are other grains that are considered warming. Mm. And it's so, so fascinating. Wow. So fascinating. But I do like when people come to me and they say, I have a really, you know, my stomach's not feeling great. I feel super bloated, descended. One of the first things I say is, are you eating a lot of salads? <laughs> and try cutting back for a week. If it's something that you love and it gives you joy, you could still incorporate it. Right. But you know, if you cut back on it, let's see how you feel and take it from there. So it's so funny. I never really made that connection that maybe under the radar, I'm still thinking of something that's more Eastern. Right. So start. So Derek, <laughs> when you hear that, also you can ask, cause you have their medical history in front yes. of you, right? You mm-hmm. can, see, you can, before you ask, you can take a look and say, oh, she might also have really painful periods and cloudy periods. And she's reporting so much bloating and gas with salads. If there's a lot of cold in her Good research paper. Yeah, you can start, (laughs) yeah, making connections. Wow. And then you'll see it on their faces too. You might see in the coloring, they might be very pale. They might be... There needs to be a connection. I wish there was a connection with the medical world and the, I don't know the right term if it's holistic or... I don't know what the proper term is, but I, I wish there was more integration and I'm sure you feel the same way. Sure. Absolutely. It's time. It's time. one or the other. I think it should be integrated. And I know the more that we've spoken to people, we see like the idea, the importance of connection and connecting, you know, what's best for, for this patient and working together as a team to give the best treatment and support. Yes. And I'm I'm hearing it from my patients. Actually, they'll say, you know, there are those that say, my doctor doesn't want me on herbs. They come in and meet. That's the first thing they say to me. Yeah. <laughs> and then I have the the opposite side and they'll say, oh, my fertility doctor says, good, go to acupuncture, take those herbs, do whatever you can to but make the best result possible. So There seems to not be one sort of kind of like, you know, established school of thought, right? You get one doctor that says no, no, no standard. you get one doctor that says, okay, whatever, I don't believe in them, but they're not going to hurt you. And I wish, yeah, there was more synergy between the two, especially because I have so many patients who say, you know, they come in and they say, look, I'm not someone who likes to take medicine. I never have even taken an Advil in my life. And now you're telling me the only way I can conceive is by pumping my body full of hormones. And I have a huge problem with that, you know, and to be able to say, okay, well, let me explain it to you in sort of a holistic, natural way. This is what's happening. I just feel like there hasn't been enough work done on that to really validate someone and calm someone down and explain to them, okay, this is what's happening. These are what you're putting in your body. This is what's happening. This is why. And I wish, you know, we had those resources and sort of a kind of standardized source to say, okay, well, you know, just go right over here and this will explain it to you. Or maybe basically more open communication. I feel Mm -hmm. like we need to have you on with a doctor. And so just to get different points of dialogue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, maybe the concerns that you have and the concerns that they have and kind of come to some common ground. Meeting of the minds. The meeting of the minds. Mm -hmm. Because you both give so much benefit to a person. But if you can come together and work together, I think... Two people together, it's like the flame is that much stronger. Yeah, Yeah, to better serve the patient, totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. So where do you think the world of pulse therapy and acupuncture is going? Or where would you like to see it go? I would like to see it go where you just said. I would love to see fertility clinics such as yourselves have an in-house 
acupuncturist, herbalist, pulse diagnostician, <laughs> working side by side with the doctors, sharing, sharing information, sharing the diagnostics. I mean, I think couples would be helped so much faster and it would save time, you know, instead of having to go through six, eight months of fertility treatment to only then have someone recommend acupuncture and to only then have had your pulse read. And for us to find out, wait a minute, you can't be doing IVF. Your pulse is showing us that the the blood flow in the in the in the pelvis is is just absent. Of course, your treatments aren't working. You know, and then people are obviously heartbroken yeah. and have spent so much money that they may have to spend again. And so, you know, and, and I want to say that the Chinese medicine is not the last stop. There are times there's only, only so far we could take a patient and then we, we do have to um, rely on Western fertility treatments. Then they have to go back, right. Mm-hmm. And spend that $10,000 again. So what if we could have made that journey shorter for them? So true. Right. Mm-hmm. I love that. Like a lot of people would agree with that. So is there anything else that you want to add? And if not, we have one last question for you. <laughs> we know we want you to have, like, we want you to come back. I think that's going to be a great follow up to with a doctor. I would, yeah, I would love mm-hmm. to sit with the doctor and and have us and maybe ideally have a mutual patient, and then we compare yes. notes and they can, oh, we yes. can compare labs to the pulse reading, and I can, be so you know, wonderful. show them how we can pick this such and such up with the pulse, and how are we going to address that in their treatment. I'll just say that one of the things you had you had asked me before we met was why do you like to treat fertility patients? And I'll say it's for the everything we've said how it's it can be less invasive, it makes the it makes the journey easier, it can be less expensive. Mm-hmm. It's treating the root. It's it's treating the whole person. It's not just treating their uterus. Actually, yeah, we're treating the whole person. That's why I love it, but what I also love is the more spiritual, emotional side of fertility. Um, we know there are, there are emotional blockages, there are mental blockages sometimes, right? When the body, the, the women who get the unexplained infertility diagnosis, when everything is fine on their labs, everything is fine on paper, and it's still not happening. Sometimes it's that deeper emotional piece. And that that's something that we as acupuncturists have time and space for in our clinics to address with patients. And so I like to, I like to help women in that regard. And I have an amazing case story I can share. Yeah, um, you know, starting their fertility treatment, whether it's Western or Eastern is a time for introspection. How did I get here? Where is my life gone? Why, why is this challenging? How is this challenge changing my life? You know, all these, all these are things. And so when you're going through that kind of an introspection, it can be very anxiety provoking, right? Mm-hmm. It's earth shattering. Acupuncture Chinese herbs strengthen a person. They strengthen the body and the mind to help them walk that scary path. What does my future hold? What does it say about me as a woman? Will I ever have a child? The herbs strengthen them to, to be able to handle that and not fall apart. That's what I love about this medicine. And as I'll share, there was a 37 year old woman, New York city psychotherapist who came in after a year of trying to get pregnant. Um, she was told by her fertility specialist, not here that she could not have her own children and she would need a donor egg. And this came as a complete, obviously devastating blow to her. And her periods had always been irregular. She had grown up in a very dysfunctional home. 
very troublesome relationship with her mother. And when she came in, when anyone comes in, I say, hey, let's talk about what you want help with in order of importance. When she came in, she didn't say diminished ovarian reserve or fertility. She said, I can't stop crying. I'm so sad. You have to help me stop crying. And it wasn't about fertility. It was about life as she knew it. And it was turning upside down. And she wasn't sure she was going to have this child she thought she'd always have. And it was triggering all of a lot of childhood trauma for her. And that's what we started with. And her period regulated within two months. Wow. It had had been between 25 days, 35 days. Her period regulated within two months. Mm -hmm. And then within four months, she was pregnant. Wow. Did no, you do no pulse donor. therapy? Yeah, we did the pulse. I, pre- I prescribed herbs based on what I felt in her pulse. Yeah. I made sure she was doing her inner work. You know, And she she's a psychotherapist. She'd been in therapy every single week for 10 years. Wow. We added in meditation. Mm-hmm. Right? We added in self-love. Right? Self-love All that, for yeah. that. <laughs> and she shocked her doctor. Wow. So, wow. Did she go That's back and amazing. say, look what happened? Yeah. He was thrilled for her. Oh, good. It was really exciting to go from doing the inner work, healing. It took four months. It mm. didn't take her another year. It yeah. took four months. Yeah, it's a short period of time. Wow. But I also feel like it may have taken her less time because she, at being a psychotherapist, perhaps she was able to tap into some of those Correct. Dark yes. places sure. a little she bit. came to you kind of already ready to do the work. Yes. 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 That, that could be true. Too. You're right. It was sure. faster. In that regard, you're right for that. But either way. But you're the one that you were the you know, catalyst. Yeah. It's amazing. I love that story. That it's makes just, me and so it, happy. Just, there's so many stories like that. It's wow. just well, it's kind magical. of in the same vein, we always like to end our podcast. I know you're gonna love this for sure, Miriam. We like to talk about gratitude and what we're grateful for today at this very moment. So <laughs> we did not tell you ahead of time that we no, talk about this. So to put you on the spot, there's no right or wrong answer. What are you grateful for at this moment? I'm grateful for this gift I've been given in life. Wow. It is a gift. I'm grateful that this is my path. Wow. I love that. Something so simple, but something so deep <laughs> at the same time. Rena. Oh, I'm grateful to, I feel like it's the same thing every time. It's like, oh, I'm so grateful to have met you and be able to, you know, you know, come across another strong, powerful woman. But it's true, you know, this gift of being able to, to be introduced to somebody like you who, you know, when I know our listeners couldn't see, but when Miriam said what she was grateful for, she was, I've never seen somebody glow like that. She was truly glowing and beaming. And it's just so clear today is the first day, you know, that I, that I met Miriam and it's so clear. She's someone who truly loves her work so much, is so passionate. And um, I can tell she's such a strong driven woman. And so I'm so grateful to, you know, be introduced to you and now have you as someone as a resource for my patients. I definitely want you to read my pulse. I'm very <laughs> curious, but to be around you and your energy and Dara, of course, um, to be able to do this podcast with Dara and her energy. It's just, it's really amazing. So I know, I, I know I say the same thing every time, but it really is true that that is my gratitude. Usually Dara and our guests, it's, it's powerful to be here. Yeah, it is. Thank you Dara. so much. Um, similar vein. I'm just so grateful for inspiring women. Like you inspire me from day one, just to, to do what you're passionate about, because when you're passionate, it shows. And every time I meet with you, anytime you talk about what you do, yeah. there, there, it's exactly what Rena said. There's like a light that comes out of you. 
And what a special gift that you have been able to find that and that people get to share that that are around you. And then, of course, I'm going to give credit to the woman who brought us together. Melina, she's, if she's listening, you're awesome. She's a great connector. And I just always value people that that just have a good intuition of like, wow, you're going to get along with that person. And we come from different paths. We have lots of connections, but I've learned so much from you beyond what you do, just you as a human being. So thank you. Thank and we're you. getting you back on soon. <laughs> so <laughs> thank, thank you, you so, so much. much. Thank you so much for listening today. And always remember, practice gratitude, give a little love to someone else and yourself. And remember, you are not alone. Find us on Instagram at fertility underscore forward. And if you're looking for more support, visit us at www.rmany.com and tune in next week for more Fertility Forward.